Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. Alongside me, Marshall Macaloso. What it do? And um, we're going to start by addressing the uh, issues that were brought to light this weekend. It was definitely um, an interesting weekend. Uh, and, you know, it's an important conversation to talk about uh, George, the protests going on across the country over uh, George Floyd's murder at the hands of of a police officer, um, and we'll, we'll start with, I think, what we've seen in the United States has been important, because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, yeah. but it's a necessary one to have, and it's encouraging to see people caring, um, and I know a lot's been made about the looting and the rioting, and, well, yeah, I can understand why people are upset about that. You know, the peaceful protest only worked for so long. And Malcolm X said in his biography, uh, his autobiography, that, you know, sometimes you got to make some noise to get noticed. That was something he learned at a young age. And I think that's what we're seeing. And especially yeah. me and Mark, I mean, you know, we're obviously uh, not black. And as a white guy that's grown up and pretty privileged myself, um, initially I was pretty upset. You know, you see people, like, burning down their, like, towns. Like, oh, that looks counterproductive. But... I, you know, upon further, further thought, it's, it's not for me to say how they should react. You know, they, uh, they, they you know, everyone copes with this differently. Um, and I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, he wrote a great uh, piece in the Los Angeles Times. And obviously, Kareem, if you don't know his history, uh, he was very outspoken back when he was a player, um, along with uh, Muhammad Ali. And kind of like LeBron James, like we see today, which is great to see these athletes doing more than just go to giving a paycheck. You know, they're speaking out and using their platform. Jalen Brown for the Celtics, another fine example. But anyway, he wrote a piece in the Los Angeles Times, and uh, it was phenomenally done. And I was reading a little expert expert here because you know, I think for, for me personally, um, it's a lot more important to listen during times like this than you know for me to talk out of my ass because I don't really you know. Uh, on these issues, so I agree. But I think he made a great point, and I, I will share it, uh, part of it, uh, with you all right now. What do you see when you see angry black protesters amassing outside police stations with fist raised? If you're right, you may be thinking they certainly aren't socially distancing. Then you notice the black faces looting Target, and you think, well, that just hurts their cause. Then you see the police station on fire, and you wag your finger saying. That's putting the cause backwards. You're not wrong, but you're not right either. The black community is used to institutional racism, inherent in education, the justice system, and jobs. And even though we do all the conventional things to raise public and political awareness, write articulate and insightful pieces in the Atlantic, explain the continued devastation on CNN, support candidates who propose promise chains, they, need, they needle hardly budges. But COVID-19 has been slamming the consequences of all that home as we die at significantly higher rates than whites are the first to lose our jobs and watch helplessly as Republicans try to keep us from voting. This, just as the slimy underbelly of institutional racism is being exposed, it feels like hunting season is open on blacks. If there was any doubt, President Trump's recent tweets confirmed the national Zionist as he calls protesters thugs and looters fair games to be shot. 
Yes, protests are often used as an excuse for some to take advantage. Just as when fans celebrate a hometown sports team's championship, burn cars, and destroy storefronts. I don't want to see any stores looted or even buildings burn, but African Americans have been living in burning buildings for many years, choking on the smoke as the flames burn closer and closer. Racism in America is like dust in the air. It seems invisible even if you're choking on it, until you let the sun in. Then you see it's everywhere. As long as we keep shining that light, we have a chance of cleaning it wherever it lands. Because we have to stay vigilant, because it's always still in the air. Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, I couldn't say, I mean, you know, not many people could sum it up much better uh, than that. Uh, and, you know, tying into the sports world, I know you had a piece, because we saw a lot of NFL teams uh, coming out, and everyone's making statements, and I think it's good. You want to be, well, looking back on 2020, you want to make sure you're on the right side of history. Um, and obviously, actions speak louder than words. I think if you want to make serious change, you have to go out and vote for starters, support these causes, and donate. But we saw, you know, to start seeing some of these teams come out, but um, it seemed kind of hypocritical because you saw all these NFL teams coming out making statements, and, you know, they kind of blackballed Colin Kaepernick. So, you know, I'll yeah. let you have the floor now. Uh, and, yeah, and you know. I think you spoke on two things very well. First of all, um, I know you and I, obviously, we have our opinions. We're uh, pretty uh, strong, uh, liberal, opinionated people. Um, but I think as two 20-year-old white dudes who grew up in Wheaton, Illinois, I, I A, don't have much to say um, uh, that could uh, be more powerful or more uh, impactive, impactful than um, what the black voices in all levels uh, could say. Um, and that's where I think you said it perfectly. It's time to listen and yield our time uh, to those who have been crying out on this for years. And second, you know, to the hypocrisy in, um, in America. And I think it, it is perfectly clear um, the rhetoric that some people use and I'll get to the NFL in a second, but it starts with just the average citizen and the average person on Twitter. If you are claiming, especially on the conservative side, especially that, you know, these riots are bad, the looting is bad, which not a lot of people are disagreeing with, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, he doesn't want to see buildings burned down. But to have the gall to say we should have peaceful protest is, excuse my French, but it's bullshit. You know what we should have? We should have our athletes, our black athletes, who are some of the loudest voices in America, speak up for social justice. Oh, wait, we've been doing that since been a while now, especially in 2015. I'll get to Colin Kaepernick, but a very big instance of athletes speaking out was in 2014 when the I can't breathe uh, phrase was start, kind of started when Eric Garner was choked out by police officers back in 2014. There's pictures of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and many other athletes wearing I Can't Breathe shirts. If you want to know how people reacted to those uh, peaceful protests, the WNBA team, the Minnesota Lynx, wore T-shirts saying, change starts with us, justice and accountability. I think that's a pretty fair statement that everyone should be able to get behind. We want accountability for the people who murdered Eric Garner. And you know how the off-duty police officers reacted to that? 
they walked out and refused to do their jobs because they were so offended by this T-shirt, a, a, the most peaceful protest you could have. And then we get to Colin Kaepernick. In, in 2017, he was released by the San Francisco 49ers. Well, he wasn't released, but he was informed that he was going to be released and out of his contract. Earlier that year, we had him kneeling for the anthem uh, and starting this this uh, this movement where a lot of NFL teams, not just Colin Kaepernick, were kneeling for the anthem in response to police brutality. Two people were at the very forefront of that. It was Colin Kaepernick and, oh, the safety. A totally blind Eric, Eric Reed. Eric Berry. Eric Berry. Yes. If you can guess, neither of them have a job right now. And it just goes to show you, because to say that Colin Kaepernick, when he opted out of his San Francisco 49ers contract, was not one of the top 64, not even 32, backups and starters. If, to say that he was not one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the league is just plain wrong. He'd been to a Super Bowl recently. He was on a bad Niners team that shows for any lack of stats, even though he played pretty well with a bad team. I mean, we've had peaceful protests, and Eric Garner died, because, and people peacefully protested. And in 2019, all of the cops who were involved in that investigation faced no charges and are free men today. So if you want to talk about peaceful protests, that we've had peaceful protests. We've had peaceful protests since Rodney King back in the, the 70s and the 80s. We've had peaceful protests, and it continues to happen. So that, there's my rant. I'll get off the soapbox. But for people to move the goalposts and flip the script, it's just a, a very thinly veiled attempt to just discredit Black Lives Matter just in any way possible. You don't like it when he's kneeling for the anthem and you kick him out of his job and yeah, he gets ridiculed by the country. He's called an SOB by President Trump. The vice president walks out of a game because he's so offended by these peaceful protests. And then to have the, the audacity to say, well, we should just peaceful protest. I don't like it when a target gets burned down or when glass is shattered. It's just, it's just appalling. And it just shows, shows, goes to show you how many people... Do they actually care about the issue at hand? Absolutely not. They care about order, they care about being safe, and they care about being comfortable. And so when these these movements happen and it, it gets it gets testy, it, people respond in their true colors, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, and I think another big issue you see is people trying to warp the main issue into something else. Like they're turning the the issue at hand should be that black men are getting killed on the streets by the hands of police officers uh, unjustly, and it's getting turned into oh well you know they shouldn't be rioting and looting and it's good and that's why I think you know it's kind of getting it's getting warped where the conversation's turning away from it and I think you also saw that with the Colin Kaepernick thing you know he was pointing this out uh, years ago saying hey look, look, look. I'm kneeling because of police brutality and we're being treated unfairly in this country uh and then that got turned into oh well you're disrespecting the flag and the troops when yeah. it had nothing to do with the flag or the troops so you know it it's it's sad to see and i think we have a long way to go in this country but um you know yeah it's it's unfortunate and that's where we come in i mean even though we don't we don't have the biggest following we're no espn um but just, um, just just making these statements so that people know 
where everyone stands. And I think it's important for players. Um, I think, well, going back to the point, I actually missed the NFL tweeting, you know, all about, you know, getting their, their token tweet off just to say, hey, we're not a bunch of racists. It's like, all right. I mean, Kenny Stills, who was a player for the Houston Texans, who was kneeling back when Colin Kaepernick started that, a, I don't believe the exact wording, and I probably shouldn't say it on the podcast, but he was basically saying, I don't want to hear it. Um, because, and, and you know what? I will say that um, it, if people are being genuine, and if the NFL is being genuine, which is, you know, can we ever get on that, get, get together on that, um, then it's a change of heart, and that's, that's cool to see. That's good to see. Um, but I think... Being on the right side of history now is easy, but it was not easy back when we didn't have, you know, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd all in the span of, you know, a month uh, to make it clear for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have all of this with the backdrop of COVID, where uh, people of color have really been affected more as far as job loss not being able to get the same medical care, too. And I think the frustration you just see is boiled over. And going back to, like, your point, I think the women's, uh, UConn's women's basketball team, they released a statement, too. And they, I thought they had one of the better statements that I read. But part of that one was, for those who are not black, science is the biggest betrayal right now. The hardest part is watching uh, friends who are not of color even question what is happening right now. It's time for us to start preaching togetherness, justice, and love amongst one another. And I think that was really well said uh, as well. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. It, it, going back to the Kaepernick thing, it shouldn't have even gotten to the point where he had to because the athletes have been preaching about this for a long time. Um, yeah. And he was, and honestly, too, Colin Kaepernick was kind of a flawed messenger in his approach just for the oh, fact totally that he, agree, yeah. he had the cap he had the uh, Fidel Castro shirt and then he said he couldn't tell the difference he, you know he wasn't going to vote cuz he Cal- couldn't tell the difference yeah so yeah. and you know be that that's that's still true and all but the the basis of his point was still there and it should, he shouldn't have even had to been making that point to begin with so yeah. and that's and that's going back to your point of like the warped message because i mean i think uh, you know Colin Kaepernick started this thing uh, he sat on the bench and then he talked to a former Navy SEAL who said, you know, you should kneel. It's sign of, like, reverence, but you're still getting your point across. And then a lot of teams saw that and said, hey, that's a great idea. And, in fact, I agree with color Kevin. Um, I think a perfect example, and, you know, I'm a Broncos fan, but linebacker Brandon Marshall, Super Bowl 50 champion, uh, he knelt for the anthem and donated uh, $300 every tackle that he made um, – to charitable causes that, uh, you know, fight for police re- reform. Uh, he met with the, sh- the Denver PD uh, police commissioner to, you know, talk about these issues. And that's where it's like, you know, if you look at the movement as a whole, it's so easy to get behind. It's so easy to get behind. You know, hold police accountable so this doesn't happen again. But then, you know, people just want, you know, you can say they're racist, you can say they just want the, the status quo to continue on, and they just make it about Colin Kaepernick. Where, in fact, like, like, I mean, and, and we, we talked around this podcast. I mean, we criticized Colin Kaepernick for the way he handled um, his NFL, like, tryout thing uh, that was, uh, I, was that this year? Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that um, was, yeah. It's been a long year. Um, yeah, we criticized. 
criticize him. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's not a perfect human being, but he started this movement and got yeah, kicked out of the league for it. And that just goes to show you what we think about peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. And the NFL, um, yeah, the NFL too is like one of those machines. As soon as he settled, because when he sued the league for getting screwed, as soon as he settled, he should have realized he was never getting back in because the league, yeah. the NFL's brand, you know, it takes people that protest or go against them, and it's spit, it's like a machine, you know, chews them up and spits them out. They had no use for them, but you know, I, I hope my biggest fear out of this whole thing is it'll just be a continuous cycle, and then we'll be having another one of these. Because he another one of these in like 2040, because like like you know they had the space launch uh, earlier this weekend, and I heard some it was I believe it was Mark Jean Greco um, on the radio I forget who it was but he was like comparing he's like wow it felt like a lot like the 60s or sending a man to space you know oh uh, there's people like rioting in the streets it's like what the it's like a cycle is like repeating and I just hope I hope uh, you know that this time we you know, we continue to have a, like meaningful change actually comes from it and progress is made but i'm encouraged by the fact that you know we still see people protesting um yeah you know and it's in, it's encouraged dialogue you know this is something i didn't think you know we we'd hope we wouldn't have had to talk about but yeah here we are which i think you know it's not a comfortable conversation to have but it's a good conversation to have and uh if any people out there listening the few listeners we have if you have anything you would like to say we'd be happy to lend our platform oh, yeah. and listen um, but yeah, you know, it's a tough time. Everyone, everyone hang in there and love each other. Time to brighten our mood. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Transitioning, um, and well, kind of on the same topic, uh, over in the Bundesliga, the only major sports league that is operating, we had, um, Weston McKinney, U.S. player for Schalke, uh, had the armband, said justice for George Floyd. Yep. And then one thing that was just, you know, it's amazing to see, and it's also slightly embarrassing as an American citizen, to see Jaden Sancho uh, scored a hat-trick for Dortmund. It was his first career professional hat-trick. I mean, he's a British dude who plays for a German soccer team protesting police brutality in our country. Yeah. And it just goes to show, like, man, like, we're such a massive influence, and just to see... Just to see the how the world is looking at us right now in kind of horror mm-hmm. um, yeah. as to what's going on. It's slightly embarrassing, but hey, you know, it, it was really cool to see uh, James Sancho and another teammate. They had uh, undershirts that said Justice for George Floyd under their jerseys. Uh, speaking you, of the Well, actually, you bring up a good point there. Your... Oh, sorry. Before you move on, though, yeah. you bring up a good point. The fact that it's gone international right now shows that, you know, the message reaching across... You know, it's making, but at the same time, exactly like you said, um, there's other countries looking at us. Like you don't think like countries like Russia or like China looking at us, like oh they're loving it right now because we we look like a mess and we're pro- we pride ourselves on being the greatest country in the world. And now it's a shame. It's kind of embarrassing. Quite frankly, it's embarrassing what it's come to. But I yeah, I thought that that, that was an excellent yeah. point. Anyway, continue. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the Bundesliga kind of hit a major point. Uh, in with Bayern Munich and Dortmund, they were in a tight race. Um, if Dortmund had won their matchup this two or last week, I believe it was, if they had won their matchup, um, it would have been a one point gap with Bayern in first, Dortmund in second. 
Byron prevails one nothing with a solo goal from Joshua Kimmich, and so the, the gap is seven points now. Um, I'm not quite sure how many games are left, but I know it is uh, maybe five or six. Um, so not much time left for Dortmund. Um, and that was one of those things where, you know, it's very interesting to see the, the, the soccer format and obviously the Bundesliga. I mean, Bayern is, is looking to win their eighth straight title. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's a, it's a league dominated by one team and with the same three always fighting for second place. Um, but it was, it was interesting to see how a pretty much, I mean, it was basically the, the championship, as close as you can get to it. Um, the closest you can get to is Game 7 was that that match. And it was, I'll tell you what, it was odd to see such passion and, you know, determination on the on the field and no one in the stands. Still, it still mm-hmm. it does not sit right. That's what we're looking at with the Bundesliga. Uh, two things that can apply to our more familiar American sports leagues is, first of all, Bundesliga takes place on Fox. Fox has said for the NFL, they're uh, planning on putting in crowd noise or pumping it into the TV. Then they have been doing this for uh, the Bundesliga games. I'll ask for your take on it in a second, but my personal take is I actually pretty like it. You know, they I guess someone's got like buttons are going on uh, because you know when when something happens, there's a lot more cheering. It was at Dortmund. So when Bayern was doing, you know, passing it back to the keeper or something like that, there was, like, booing going on. Um, so I'm sure, like, you know, if it's a home game for the Bears um, and the refs say, you know, it's a fourth down and they didn't get it, the refs, there's, they'll be booing on your TV even though there's no one in the fans. Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. See, the sport like soccer, and, you know, college football, too. Uh, especially soccer, though. I'm not a big soccer fan, but I went to the uh, MLS All-Star game a couple years ago with Bayern Munich and, uh, or not, it's not Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and, uh, the, obviously, the MLS All-Stars they're playing. Um, and I was so uh, blown away by the crowd, and the crowd is really what made it. Like, that atmosphere was awesome. You yeah. watch these Premier League games, you know. The crowd's what makes it cool, especially for someone like me who doesn't know jack about soccer. You know, it was able to get me into it, too, just to see how excited they were. You know, the atmosphere rubs off on you. And I think when you're watching these games and you have the pumped-in noise, like, it kind of insults my intelligence because, like, I know there's no one in the stands. You know there's no one in the stands. You're not fooling anyone. I think it's, quite frankly, it's pretty stupid, and it takes away from the product on the field. I, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but I don't really think it's helping anyone. Like, can, I, I, the players can't hear it, can they? No. So, I, mean, I will say, or, yeah, carry on, carry on. No, I mean, that basically, I mean, if it's not it's not really doing anything for the players. It just made me feel, like, ridiculous. It's like, yeah, you know, you're not fooling me, Fox. I know there's no one in, in the stands. I would just rather, I, it's like, honestly, watching the UFC, I thought it was kind of cool. Or even the match, you know, they had the golf match. Just listening to them, uh, tra- Tom Brady and Tiger and Phil going at it, trash-talking each other, um, was kind of cool. In the UFC fights, you could hear the punches landing. I kind of enjoyed yeah. that where, so, I mean, you know, obviously I'd prefer to have fans in attendance, but I don't mind listening to, like, that kind of side banter and the sound effects, like, with no with no fans. Yeah. I don't think pumping in noise is just, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of stupid. Yeah. So, like, two things, I totally agree. I, for NBA, I want to hear what they're saying on the court. Well, there's some things they won't let you hear, man. You know, Kevin Garnett. You ever hear like the Kevin Garnett comments about? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's no way they're letting us into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish. Um, but the, the thing about soccer, though, is like they're all sounding German, so like even though I can I can hear what they're saying, I don't really. I, I don't know. Um, but I will say that, like, I mean, you're watching a game, and say it's, like, middle of the second quarter, and you're just focused on the game, and, I mean, the, the pan of the, the camera, it, you, it doesn't show the stands at all. And, like, I will say, even though you said, like, I'm not fooled, you're not fooled, there were times, though, where I totally forgot there weren't fans in the stadium. Because I'm just listening to the fans, and I'm watching the game. I'm not looking at the stands. That's fair. And uh, it, it literally just sounded like a regular game. But uh, I get what you're saying. Um, I think it, it was it was uh, Steven Jackson or someone was saying they should just mic up the players all the time. I would love that. With the NBA, I don't think that's going to fly. It'll never um, happen, especially because, you know, you get all these people. Like, people were writing in letters about the Super Bowl halftime show. If they hear them cussing out each other when they're sitting there with their kids, there's no way. There'd be way too many... It'd be a nightmare for them. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think there's any way. I mean, I would love it, too. Just have an NFL game as rated R and just get it over with. Yeah. I would, I would watch. <laughs> I, speaking of the uh, Bayern Munich, though, and this is in the limited soccer knowledge I have, there is this 19-year-old kid. I think he's Canadian. Alfonso Davies? Yes. That man is fast. Like, yeah, he was like yes. a blur of red on the screen. I was like, holy crap, he who is this was, kid? He is insane. Yeah, he's... um. He's a product of the MLS, so that's where I'll start off. Um, he's a 19-year-old. Uh, he ref- he was a refugee to Canada, played for Vancouver, uh, the Whitecaps, I believe, in the MLS. Yeah. Um, and then Bayern bought him. Yeah, no, he's 19, and he had uh, he was because they record speed. Um, in like soccer, and I, I don't know, it was in kilometers an hour, so I have no idea, and I don't even know what's fast, like running miles per hour. But he 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 had a he had a run in that game that was top ten fastest times in Bundesliga history, and it was like it was just like a, a just a another day at the office for the kid. He's insane. And I figured that novelty would run off after he made a first his like first couple runs. But by the end of the game, I was still like, holy crap. It's like, I don't know, it was yeah. very impressive. Um, yeah, and you know what? I could go on a rant, but I'm not going to. If it was American sports, the dude would be playing for fee somewhere in college. But he's playing <laughs> in the pros the highest level in soccer. But I digress. <laughs> it's true. You know, um, speaking of sports, uh, one that we hope we can see uh, sometime soon, with or without fans, and it's an American sport, but unfortunately we are nowhere close is the MLB, um, and I mean we've kind of we've brushed on the like uh, you know we brushed up on this in the past couple episodes saying hey they just need to get it done uh, you know tonight I'll d- dive into a little bit for for layman's terms a little bit more detail of what's going on and you know the whole thing comes across as ridiculous especially yeah. at times like this where we can need a distraction um, and the first thing you know first thing I'll say is too MLB's missing a huge opportunity. Because they would have the highest ratings ever, and at the rate oh, they're yeah. going, and especially right now, there's a there's a there's a chance that they don't even play the season; they just can the whole season. And even if they yeah. do come back, the NBA will be back, the NFL will just be starting up, hockey playoffs will be in full swing. So, you know, no one's gonna be MLB's gonna be an afterthought at that point. 
But basically what's going on is this. They're having a big labor dispute. Uh, the owners, uh, well, first the players and the owners, they wanted to have a 50-50 revenue split, which sounds pretty fair. But the owners, they don't want to open up their books to actually see, like, what's actually 50-50. So, you know, the owners like, yeah, we'll pump the brakes on that. So the offer they made to the players was, hey, you guys take an 80% pay cut, which everyone's taking pay cuts, you know, nowadays. And these guys are millionaires, but 80% is a large salary. And I'm saying, you know, obviously it doesn't come across great. And I don't have too much pity for them because they're millionaires. But at the same time, I'm so sick of everyone talking about the greedy players and how bad it looks. Like, do you relate more to the billionaire owners? Like, the fact that they want the players to take a pay cut and they're not taking one, I think, is ridiculous. So right now, the players are so insulted by that offer, they don't even know if they're going to respond yet. Meanwhile, the minor leagues, uh, they, um, they're, they're not, their season's basically canceled. All those players aren't getting paid. So it was nice to see... Uh, some of these guys, I know Scott Boris said he was going to pay some of his minor league clients. The Nationals, I believe, said they're going to try to, and David Price did. So that was kind of nice. But uh, we're at a, they're kind of in a deadlock right now where the players are so offended at the low ball offer that they don't know if they want to counter offer. But uh, the whole thing is just giving me a headache. It's kind of a bad time. If you're a baseball fan, I would recommend just like looking away for the next two weeks or so, and hopefully it'll blow over. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, and the labor just, I'll, I'll focus on two things. I mean, look, we got police protests, brutality in the streets, and a, and a pandemic going on. And the hottest topic in the MLB world is should we play 50 games, 82 games, 114 games? It's like, oh my lord, like, please, like, we, we cannot be arguing over these these, these, these things that, in the grand scheme of things, are not that important, you know. Um, but the second point, and I think you hit on it briefly, is the minor league. I mean, that's a terrible look for the MLB. I mean, you got these these owners who are all, like, billionaires. I mean, from a Cubs standpoint, you got Tom Ricketts, who's got to cash up the wazoo. Um, and, you know, the Cubs have not made a here nor there statement yet. But to see the Washington Nationals the other day uh, basically say that they're not going to be paying any of their minor leaguers at all, and having, uh, I believe, Sean Doolittle was the first one to say that the Nationals players will be uh, sending them money. I think it was like 400 bucks a week, which is not a lot, but, you know, you got to get what you got to get. Um, I mean, come on. Like, that's just a terrible look. And it's just... Yeah, no, it's just a tough look to see these huge corporations. And, I mean, you, you would say the same thing with, with Amazon or, you know, these big these big corporations where, you know, if, if, if they just said, hey, we're just going to lay off a large portion of our organization, I mean, that's just how tone deaf can yeah. you get? I believe the Pirates uh, canned all the 401ks for a lot of their, uh, a lot of their organization members. And it's just like what, like, like, do you, are are you trying to make your image just terrible at this moment yeah. in time? Because if you're trying to look like a bad guy, you're doing a really good job mm-hmm. of it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, credit to the uh, the Cardinals, Twins, and White Sox for not cutting off any staffers and agreeing to pay everyone full salaries at yeah. least through the month of June. Because that's the other thing. A lot of these people gets lost is like. 
the sports employ so many other people outside of athletes, especially baseball. If you have concession workers and everyone in the front office. I had an intern I was working with last year. He just got hired in the White Sox uh, for ticket sales. You know, there's so many people that count on the season being played. If there's no revenue coming in, obviously these guys aren't getting paid. Uh, you know, a lot of people are losing jobs from that, so they need to figure, you know, we keep beating the dead horse in this. they got to figure something out. And I think a big problem is, too, and you'll see this, a lot, especially with the Cubs. They just spent all that money on renovating the stadium. Uh, they put in the new scoreboard and everything, and I think they bought a bunch of space in, like, Wrigleyville along that street there. So they're in a lot of debt right now where they're like, hey, you know, the Ricketts are like, hey, I don't want to be splitting money or giving up a bunch of my salary because I have to pay all of this off. But, you know, for the player, you know, if I'm a player, and this is what a lot of people don't understand calling the players greedy, you only have so long to cash in on how much money you're making. Especially with the rules now, you're in the minor leagues, you work your way up, which takes it's very hard to do. You finally get there, and they have all these uh, service time rules and everything, so you're not eligible to make, like, a big, serious contract of free agency until around, like, your fifth, like, I think, sixth or seventh year. So the time it takes for you to work up and cash in and the amount of time you have to be a professional baseball player is not a lot. So you got to try and get what you can. Um, and these owners, you're gonna, most of them are going to make their money back. Like the Cubs are a lot more valuable right now today than they were when the Ricketts first bought them. And they're, they're going to continue to climb in value, so they're going to make it back. I don't understand why these guys don't just put on like a layaway plan and say, like, hey, we'll pay your full salaries further down the road. But, you know, obviously then I don't think they want – some relief pitcher salary on their books uh, when he's not even playing with them too. So I don't, I don't know. But that would be, I think that seems like the most reasonable suggestion because the time, the clock's ticking. Uh, you know, NHL laid out a plan. The Bundesliga is playing, and they haven't had any cases yet. I don't think. So they, yeah, I know. The, the can get something figured out. Playing for four weeks, and they've gone off without a hitch. And let, and like going back to your point, like the baseball season should have started, and they have the opportunity to start soon. I mean, I believe the most recent offer on the table would bring us baseball in the month of June. So, like, it's a it, it could happen, but if it doesn't happen, then we're going to spend more and more time, not just us, but bigger media members. I mean, the Fox News and the ESPN, we're going to spend more and more time criticizing owners, you know, making us skeptical out of these silly arguments and less time playing baseball, which is how you make your money. So, you know, do with that what you will, but, and I mean, but I know, I, I hope hope we can get sports. Yeah. It's very odd to see all these things happening, and I mean, really, besides the protests and coronavirus, there's nothing else going on in the United States of America. Yeah, and I, I find it hard to believe, and this is why I have some hope, that the owners would just cancel a full season. Because they're going to make money on TV revenue if the games are played. So they're going to be losing so much if, like, they're not the old, like, the players are the only ones that are going to lose something if there's no season being played here. Like, the owners are going to lose a lot of money, too, and I don't think they're going to let that happen. Um, so we'll see how, how it goes, but uh, it's not looking too good right now. I'll tell you, you know, 1994, when that strike happened and they canceled the World Series in the middle of the season... It was a bad look, and they had to get saved by two dudes hitting bombs on steroids. And I don't know if baseball's going to be able to do that again when you have all these sports that are more popular than ever. So 
We shall see. Is there anything else we have to, we, we need to tackle uh, from the NBA? Yes, uh, that's right. Another league. I believe I believe there was a rumor to start date. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but it probably changes every day on Twitter. Um, but hopefully the NBA is coming back, and I will ask you first. Um, a lot of ideas been bounced around the sports talk shows and with the rumors. What is your ideal um, uh, format for when the NBA comes back? Well, I know a lot of the players said they need like tune-up games to get ready. Um, and like you said, there's been a lot of ideas. And this is actually, sorry to go back to baseball here, but that's the other reason. Like they kind of need to get started soon because they're gonna have to have spring training to ramp it up. But uh, I, you know, for the NBA's uh, sake, uh, I kind of like this is an idea I heard that I kind of like that they're they're not gonna do. But like the bottom tier teams. They need to get their last couple games in. I know for the Bulls, for example, they need to play 65 games, so the TV uh, they can like make their full the TV can get like they can make their full TV uh, money. Yeah. Um, so if you have like the bottom couple teams that were in pay attention for the lottery have like a tournament for the lottery pick, I think that would be like kind of interesting. Yeah. Then you kind of have like a soccer style format for the teams that are like in playoff contention, like kind of like World Cup, like group stage. Uh, I thought that would be kind of interesting, but um, I kind of like the six team. Like after you know that that's kind of like a crazy idea that won't happen. As far as these like the realistic options on the table, I don't mind the sixteen team format um, because number one, I think like you know you're still rewarding. We we knew who was gonna be good and who wasn't, and I think the yeah. people that want to expand it to like twenty two or whatever. I mean they're just doing it because they want Zion in the playoffs and he's very oh, yeah. marketable. But especially when there's no sports going on, we're going to watch Lakers-Grizzlies, like, regardless. I know, like, the first rounds kind of stink because it's usually, like, a sweep. But, I mean, I think people are going to watch regardless. The ratings are still going to be high. Yeah. So just have your couple tune-up games. Uh, maybe, you know, the last couple uh, teams can get a shot to, like, get in the top 16. I I, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, play, play to your five uh, and then just do a 16-team format. I think that would make the most sense. Um, and I don't mind either. I don't mind doing like the no, no conference thing and you just organize them by seed. I, I'm fine with that. I think that would be kind of interesting because you could see yeah. potentially a Clippers Lakers final, but I, I would just oh, stick yeah. to 16. We know who's good and who's not. There's no need to waste your time with teams that don't yeah. deserve to get in. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think, uh, I, and Damian Lord made an interesting statement uh, that I think is, is, is something to talk about whether you agree with him or not. I was basically like, look, if you want me to play in an empty arena during, during a pandemic, um, and if I, I mean, imagine being a Knicks player or a Bulls player, and they're like, hey, we got to send you out there for however many games. We're not, there's no, we cannot make the playoffs, but we got to get it for the TV revenue. It's like, really? Like, I don't want to play. I don't want to put my family yeah, in. I don't want to put agree. myself in this quarantine. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that, frankly, that is either here nor there. That's just a very tough situation because, I mean, you got to get your money, but you want your players to be safe. Um, we're in a perfect world. You know, we'd have already had the finals. Um, but I think, I, I, and so that's where, obviously, money and media uh, contracts and kind of muddy the waters. But I saw a report saying that there is a, a majority of NBA owners 
for fine, just going straight into the playoffs. Um, and I think uh, the format that I've seen bounced around, I don't know how serious it is, is to have um, have the top, uh, like, 14, I think it was, teams, uh, they were just playing... They're just playing friendlies. The, the top 14 gets seeded, and then you get the 15 and 16 seed right now, which I believe would be Memphis and the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, along with, uh, you know, I think the oh oh the Pelicans are kind of up there. I believe the, the Portland Trailblazers are not far behind, uh, and they would do like a playing tournament. Do he gets the 15, 16 seeds? But even if they just took the 16 best teams right now and just said we're running the playoffs I think that'd be fine to be quite honest I think in the West the West has 8 interesting teams that are, are making the playoffs I mean the 8 seed is John Morant with the Grizzlies Right. you got the 7 seed uh, Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic uh, and then the 6 seed is the Rockets with Russell Westbrook and James Harden and then you just go up from there and I think the East obviously like you know the East is East is East, and you have the Orlando Magic making the playoffs. Um, but, uh, yeah, also, like, I-, I agree with you. I think the 16, because if you did, regardless if you do East versus West, or if you just do the best 16 teams, the same 16 eight teams are making the playoffs. Yeah. Regardless of the format. Uh, the Pelicans don't get in either way. Mm. Uh, so, sorry for the ratings, but I think, you know, p- the ratings will be fine regardless of the Zions there. I think, quite honestly... I'm not, this is no statement on his quality, but his novelty is somewhat worn off at this point um, because we just haven't seen basketball in such a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I think if they did the 16-team format, I think that would uh, kind of get rid of just like a dumb narrative of like the East is so bad and like yeah, whatever. I, I think it's kind of pointless, but I, I, I just want the playoffs. Man. I agree. Um, well, actually, I, I mean, you know, especially if you're going to do, like, the five teams, looking at it, especially in the uh, Eastern Conference, Washington is five, they're five and a half games back. So if you're going to have five or six games, like, as tune-up, there's no way they're catching them. So there's no point in having them or the Cavaliers waste their time playing. You know, the West is a little bit more interesting where you have Portland's only three and a half out. But at the same time, still, that's a pretty steep hill to climb. So I would almost, yeah. if you're going to do your tune-up games, just have the six-team teams that are in position for the playoffs. You play your last five games. You schedule them or whatever. And, you know, yeah. you, you could jockey for seeding in the final tournament. So then there's a little bit of incentive, but they're all still in the playoffs. So, you know, yeah. you know, you could take it a little bit easier and they somewhat have meaning. I think that would probably yeah. be the best best way to do it. And if you really wanted to make it interesting, you could have the teams that are within five games also, if they want a chance to sneak in. I don't I don't know how you do that. I, but. Yeah. And it, it, it would be funny to see teams saying, well, like, we don't know who's going to get the lottery pick. Like, and it's like, oh, sorry, you didn't get your full chance to tank effectively. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone really needs to see that. Actually, on national television. I will say, I think the NHL playoffs are very intriguing. And this is why I didn't have a problem with them doing the 22 teams to get in. Because some of those races were a lot tighter. And in the end, unlike the NBA, an 8 seed has a legit chance to win the Stanley Cup. You go back and look at the 20, uh, I believe it was 2012 Kings 
They were an eight seed. They won the whole thing. And so it has me excited as a Blackhawks fan. You have a roster that has some championship experience there, and everyone's been on this long layoff. You get hot, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you never know. They could make a run. So I think, and the playoffs are exciting as it is. I think this new format makes it even more exciting. Um, so that will yeah. be, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that come back if and when it does. Yeah, and that's a great example. Um, I mean, the NBA doesn't have to do this because they're going to get their ratings regardless. Um, but that, that's, that's an example of like, you know what? The NHL doesn't get too hot of ratings compared to other sports in the playoffs, even when there's no coronavirus. So let's just shake it up and see what happens. You know, and I think, uh, you know, people can squabble, but in the reality, I think it's something that a lot of people are interested to see. I mean, not hockey fans. I don't, I don't usually watch the, the playoffs, and I don't think a lot of people do, but I think um, you see, you know, as a Blackhawks fan or other other fans of teams who wouldn't have made the playoffs, all of a sudden you just throw into the playoffs? I mean, dang, I'll watch it. Yeah. Best of five, because they're going to be facing the Oilers. You get a best of five with or best of three with Connor McDavid and Jonathan Taze, Patrick yeah. Kane. Sign me up. I that's playoff hockey is exciting as it is, and now you're getting a lot of these stars a chance to get in uh, as well. And you know, props to Gary Bettman, and I don't think he's the greatest commissioner, but the yeah. fact that they were really one of the first major sports uh, in the U.S. to come out with a plan that sounded pretty reasonable. Um, you know, to have everything set up in place, the, taking the first positive steps to return, uh, you know, it was very, uh, very promising. And I think their plan was, you know, I like the, I like the, I like uh, the plan um, to come yeah. back. But uh, you know, I, I'm interested to hear your take on this. This is somewhat sports related. Uh, Bill Maher came on his show the other day, uh, and he was saying, because like airplane travel, they're still having people. You're allowed to use airplanes. He's saying, well, if I'm if, if I'm allowed to be in a tube with people right sitting right next to me, complete strangers, why can't I go to a baseball game or a sporting event and have, like, a hot dog if we're, like, spaced out and, you know, you put it one-fourth capacity? Yeah. So when do you think uh, we'll see – do you think we'll see any crowd, any form of crowds uh, this fall or I any mean, of these sports upcoming seasons? It's, it's interesting because I believe Texas – and look, when it comes, I mean, coronavirus policy is a whole other bad uh, can of worms. But, you know, I, I generally disagreed with, like, the open now kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, Texas is already allowing, I believe, sports can happen, and it can happen with fans in 25% attendance capacity. And honestly, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, wait. That's a, like, what is preventing, you know, if you put, I mean, you know, how many sections you got in a stadium? Probably like, like 50 or something like that? Yeah. If you, if you put, you know, you know, people, you know, like 30 people in each section and they're spread out and they never come in contact with each other, um, I, I, I don't understand how, how that wouldn't be, how that would be an issue. Mm. Especially, I mean, the NFL's got it good, you know, they, they're not starting yeah, I believe they start 100 days from now. But, I mean, just for my job, I mean, I do a, I'm, I have to do a, a temperature check every time I walk into work. It takes less than two seconds. They just stand you in front of a camera. They say, yep, you got no fever. Um, but I think, honestly, sooner or later, and I agree. I mean, we're going back to college in the fall. Yep. We're going to be 4,000 people around each other. Obviously, NFL stadiums are a lot bigger than that. But, 
You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see why not. And I think, you know what? I think we're dumb enough and stupid enough, and we've seen how fragile life is that the people are saying, "Oh, I don't care if I get sick, I'll go to an NFL game." I, yeah, I don't see a problem with it either. Now, the one issue would be, experts say there's going to be a resurgence in Corona in the fall because people haven't been following these guidelines. So that's something to keep track of. But at the same time, I do think, you know, we saw all these people going out protesting uh, this weekend, which they should have. And, you know, they were all wearing, most of them were wearing masks. And, um, you know, Corona wasn't really, you know, wasn't really an issue. So... I think it would be a good distraction for the, obviously, you know, completely different circumstances there. Not trying to, like, one's more important than the other. But, um, you know, I think that I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to, at least for football in the fall, have some way of uh, splitting it up into force or whatever. You let 25,000 of the 100,000 that fit into one of those college football stadiums like the big house in and have them spaced. I would, I would say, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling right now. We're just going down a rabbit hole. Now, the, the one hiccup to that would be, too, is if you have season ticket holders or whatnot, who, or for yeah, college sure. students, who do you let in, who not. So I guess it is a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, if baseball wants to make up their money, they can just sell a lot fewer tickets at a lot higher price. I bet they yeah. still sell out. Um, but, yeah, I think to close the podcast, I'll have a quick – Closing statement. I know we talk a lot about sports. We love to distract ourselves. The issues at hand is still, you know, the systemic racism in this country, racism in our society. Um, and I just think to end with two final things. You know, it's the time to listen to people uh, and to be patient. Use empathy to see all sides um, when it comes to these matters. And second of all. I bet you money there's going to be some form of kneeling or something going on when sports does come back. And when it does, I better not hear a peep out of anyone because it's a peaceful protest that a lot of people have been calling for. And I'll end it with that. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, and to all of you, you know, complaining about the looting and rioting, you know, yeah, it stinks. I wish it wasn't happening. But... Black people have been having to deal with about 400 years of this, like crap. You know, from KKK members breaking into their home and family members and innocent people getting lynched. So, you know, I'm sorry your store burned down, but sometimes you got to make some noise to get your point across. Um, so, please don't complain. It takes away from the issue at hand. Uh, there's bigger things going. Things go. And we will end it with that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mitch yeah, Kaminsky. This is Marshall Macaluso. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will hopefully, you will hopefully be hearing from us soon.